So as you think about prayer, what do you prefer, the, the Zoom call or the spoken word? <laughs> the spoken word. Isn't that so much more inspiring? It, it draws us in, and it's so true to where you and I find ourselves. We pray because life is precarious, and actually the word prayer in the Latin shares the same root word as the word precarious. We, we pray because at times we feel really thin in our, in our lives, in our world. We pray because we just need the wisdom of heaven to fall down into the cracks and the spaces of our lives. We pray because life and relationship gets really complex and we don't know what to do. And we don't know how to make the right decision versus the wrong decision. We, we pray because it feels like the world is unraveling and there's a rattling going on. We pray because we come up against uh, our own limits. We come up against things where we go, there must be someone, something beyond what I can do in my own strength and ingenuity and cleverness. We pray when we absolutely don't know what else to do. We pray like Dave Grohl, the front man for the Foo Fighters, who when his drummer OD'd on heroin, he said he found himself at a hospital and he goes, you know what, I'm not a religious person. In fact, I was out of my mind, but I was heartbroken, I was frightened, and I was confused, and I was doing prayer laps around the hospital corridors. That's why we pray. And I would suggest to you that Dave Grohl wasn't out of his mind, that maybe for the first time in his life, who knows, I don't know him, but maybe he was in his right mind. Because prayer is just so essentially human. The Canadian psychologist David Binner, he would just describe prayer as the soul's native tongue. When asked, why do you pray so much, Abraham Lincoln said, because I didn't know where else to go other than to my needs, knees. When as a, a young teenage girl and sitting at the hospital bedside of her mother who was dying of cancer and going through chemotherapy, her prayer sounded like this, drop by drop, please God let it work, drop. We pray because it is so essentially human for us to cry out. We were wired up for it. And not just individually, but collectively as a people. If you wanna know why are we standing here today, 2,000 years from the time of Christ, it's in part because Jesus prayed, and the early followers of Jesus that ended up kind of forming the church, they prayed. It became the fuel. It became the embers. It became the coal that fueled why we're even gathering here today, because prayer was at the, at the very center of it all. We don't just pray as, as a person. We pray as a people. And I just want to tell you at Shoal Creek that it is just phenomenally cool to kick off this year being with you, and uh, I get to be with you. I hope this is all right. I get to be with you kind of a lot this year. Uh, Roy and I and the team we've been talking, I get to be with you somewhere around like 10 to 12 times this year, and I, I'm just thrilled by that. I don't know if you know this, but like I was here before many of you were here. Um, I cut my teeth on preaching, leadership, and all those things 20 years ago because Roy gave me a chance uh, to get up on a stage and uh, develop um, my preaching skills and gifts and heart. And so uh, I've just had more time in the last couple of years, so I've been around a little bit, and Roy's asked me um, if I wouldn't preach uh, more often. And I just got to say, I'm super humbled by that, very excited by that. And uh, in fact, I got an email from him yesterday. He goes, all right, Dan, no, no more are you like the guest guy. You're, you're no, more, no longer are you like the outside guy, you're like the inside guy. 
and I want you to start using we language versus you guys language. I'm like, that is so cool. I, I think there's some problems with it, though, and I hope it's okay with you. Like, first of all, my, my wife and our three daughters, we, we belong to a different church, and I'm a part-time teaching pastor there, but probably the biggest obstacle is that I live in Johnson County, <laughs> south of the river. And if you're okay with that, I am thrilled to, uh, to just say us and we and to continue this uh, friendship and relationship together. Is that all cool? We good with that? So thank you. That is just a thrill. And, uh, and Roy sent me your vision video, which was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, when I saw it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. I just want to show you like a snapshot. Here, here, here it is. And this is like Shoal Creek Community Church in, in a snapshot of, of what we're going after. How do we, from a vision standpoint, how do we make Jesus accessible? Uh, from a vision standpoint, how do we see flourishing communities here, there, and, and anywhere? How do we move in this sense of becoming more authentic, obedient, and uh, how do we multiply? How do we measure on these seven journeys in our lives? And what's our strategy? Following Jesus, building relationships, making disciples. My question, though, is where does prit, uh, <laughs> that sounded really weird. Where does prayer fit here? Where does prayer fit? In which, if this is like a, a, a puzzle, where would you put prayer? I just want you to think about it. I don't want you to answer because it's a trick question. You might say strategy because it would be a great strategy. But as I look at it, prayer, again, it's not just for us as people. It's not just a personal thing. It's a public and communal thing. Prayer fits in every single one of these. You and I, we can't make Jesus accessible on our own. We partner with Jesus. It's reciprocal. You and I, we can't grow more authentically ourselves. We can't do kind of what Jesus says and trust him in that by, by way of obedience unless by prayer and walking in lockstep with the very Spirit of God. We can't do that. We can't go on these seven journeys, take one like generosity. We can't grow in extravagance without prayer. This is how we are formed as a people. This is how we are shaped as a people. Now, the church that uh, I belong with, that we're members of, we, we put it this way that we don't move without prayer. And I just love that. We don't move without prayer. But here's the problem. We don't move without prayer except for when we do. Except for when we do move without prayer. And truthfully, I move without prayer all the time. I believe in it. I love it. I watch a spoken word uh, video like that. I go, yes, I want to do that. I want to do that. And then in my day-to-day -day life, rely on my own strength, rely out of my own cleverness, rely out of my own achievement uh, engine. And there's something that keeps me, and I would just guess, I'm going to presume here, there's something that keeps you from praying more. That you might have a deep yes, you might cerebrally, theologically, or not at all. You might just like go, yeah, the, 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 watching that prayer Zoom thing, that's why I don't pray because of the upper right-hand corners, right? How many, of us, how many of you just go, I kind of like Joe? And there's been times in my life where I've just gone, beep, delete, exit, leave the call. There's all reasons why you and I don't pray, and I just call those prayer killers, prayer killers. So here's what I'm going to do. I want to do a little workshop in here 
today. I want to turn this from just me speaking, you listening, all that stuff, to actually you've just come to like a workshop kind of conference on prayer, and we're going to, uh, we're going to ask each of us to do a little thinking, a little thought. I want us to take one minute by yourself, and I want you to just list out what are the things that make prayer difficult for you? What are your prayer killers? That's all I want you to do. Don't put judgment on it. Don't evaluate it. Just get out your paper. You can do it on your little prayer sheet somewhere in the very thin margins, or you can do it in your phone. You're totally allowed to do that if you have a scratch piece of paper. Online, I want to just tell you, please, would you participate with us? What is it for you that um, is a prayer killer? And how many can you write out in a minute's time? We good with that? You got your pens, got your phones, got your whatevers? Ready to do it? All right, let's go. One minute. I am sure you would have more if I gave you more time, but let's just call that enough. Now, here's what I want us to do. I want us to, if you are able, I want you to stand up. Stand up with me. Stand up. Por favor. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to turn to whoever you came with, and I want you to look around for somebody that might just not seem to have somebody, and I want you to just turn to one another. I'm going to give you three minutes to talk amongst yourselves on what your prayer killers are. Here's what we're doing. We're bragging about why we don't pray. Not really. We're being honest. We're practicing our authenticity value of saying, here are the things that muck me up. Here are my prayer killers, okay? We're going to give you three minutes to do that online community. If you're watching with somebody, you can even hit pause and you can talk amongst yourselves if you are uh, by yourself or all together. Justin Talley is right there with you. He wants to uh, talk with you in the chat box. So uh, let's go. Three minutes. Go.
All right. All right. Have you also made brunch plans together? Yeah? Okay. So uh, I'm going to call you back lest we slide into, what is it, Margaret's form of gossip? I think that's pretty classic. Prayer can easily slide into the gossip. That's all right. Okay, I want to I hear from uh, those of you in the room, and then we're going to ask uh, for some input from our online community as well. But um, so from among the little clusters, would love to hear from the loudest voice. And, um, and just shout out to me some of the things that uh, you all discussed. Ready, go. Lazy. Good. What? Don't know how. Yeah. Selfish. What, what did you mean by selfish? Yeah. Yeah, God is this, uh, he's a vending machine kind of thing, right? Uh, good. What else? Yeah, constantly distracted. Yeah. Right. And it's Deanna, right? Yeah. Yeah. Constantly distracted. What else? Anxiety. Right. Yeah, just, whew, good. Pray for your supervisor because he's helpful. That's awesome. What else? Saying the same prayer. Now, is that, an, is that a prayer killer or is it you just kind of slide into it um, and just it feels rote? Oh, it feels good to do it that way. Yeah, so... Yep, that's all right. That's all right. We can move on, but that works for you. Okay, we're going to log that. That's great. But what I thought is, um, and sometimes having a form prayer is really good, and we'll talk about that at the end, uh, but sometimes when I go to pray for my daughters, I default just to this rote thing, and our girls mock us because my wife does the same thing. They're like, oh, yeah, this is where you say da 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 you know, and just, it's just I'm so exhausted. I just go through the routine of it, and my heart's not engaged to it. What else? How about over here? No time. That's right. We're so busy. What else? Pride. Pride. Uh, say more. Right. Yeah. I can do this on my own. Yeah. I, you agree with Joe and what? God already knows. Right. So why tell him? So good. Judgment. Uh, say a little more. Okay, yeah, judgment from other people thinking you're weird. Yeah, that's a good one. Or what about judgment of feeling like you're getting it wrong with God? That'd be good, yeah? I'm sorry, I didn't hear. Mistreatment by others? Okay, by different people, good. Um, Larry and I had, oh, okay, Deanna. That's right. And that's, then it's communication. Yeah.
yeah, I just think as a dad, do I want to hear what my daughters are thinking, even if I'm pretty sure I know what they're thinking? Absolutely. I love what Larry said. He and I had a chance to talk one-on-one. He just said embarrassment. Embarrassment. This, this, this idea, like, I, I know it's just me and God talking, but there's something where I feel like I'm under the spotlight. Uh, I asked Justin if he would text me, and I know that I'm um, breaking my no phone rule on Sundays. I talked about that last time I'm here, so I just want to acknowledge uh, my sinfulness. I'm kidding by that. But I've got a list here from the online community. Get busy, forget to pray, get lost in praying, wandering mind, yes, self-reliance, insecure, not sure what to say, time, distracting myself from things instead of processing and praying about them, feeling like I have to complete my to-do list first. That's a pericular. Because you never, never complete the to-do list. You, fi- you finish what you think is on your list, and you're like, you think of doing some more, and then your prayer's out the window. Uh, sometimes feel like I don't want to waste his time with small things. He's got the world to deal with. Time, anger, fear, and disappointment. And we all say, yeah, right? We all, we all say yes to that. The number one prayer killer I want to go after today comes to us right, right from the, the stories and the teachings of Jesus in the very first book of the second part we call it the New Testament, where the, the number one prayer killer is we make it too complex. We just make it way too complex. And I want to just unpack five things that Jesus is kind of going after around this kind of idea of complexity. And here's the first one. He uses this term, hypocrites. We think that in order to pray or pray well, we have to be public speakers. We have to be great orators. Now, what do we know about public speaking? It ranks up there with some of the, the worst fears known to humankind. Snakes, heights, and Raiders fans. <laughs> right? We know that. And, and this idea of I have to become a good prayer, or whether it's on a Zoom call, or whether it's in this little room, or whether it's from a stage. And that was going on in the times of Jesus. That the, the prayer professionals would pray at the city gate. They would pray at the synagogue. It would be this distinguished thing. And Jesus takes that on head on. And he begins in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And you're going to hear this little opening phrase a lot. It's so important. Jesus says, and when you pray, and when you pray, you're going to hear that again and again. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. See, we have a look to prayer just like, and by the way, the word hypocrite means actor, means orator. And there's this sense of kind of duplicity of saying and praying one thing and not having your life match up, but also this sense of, I have to be able to own the stage when I pray. And, and I was thinking, well, what does that look today? And I think it's the millennial with a, a really cool beard kind of thing and, and hair. Hair always helps, you know. And there's like a look today, and there was a look then, and Jesus is going, no, 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 no. Don't be a hypocrite. This isn't about being a great orator or public speaker. It's something far different than that. The second one is hoops. We make it too complex because we think we have to jump through hoops or doors to get God's attention, to get him to even like relent and hear our prayers. How many of you, I hesitate to ask this question, this is going to date you. How many of you remember the old show, Maxwell Smart? 
<laughs> Someone's like, oh, I mean, sorry for the 50-year-old uh, cultural reference here, but uh, it's, a, it's a great TV show from the 1950s. Go look it up on one of those like public, tele, public television channels or something. I want to show you the opening clip of Maxwell Smart as he's walking into what looks kind of like the city hall, but he's going into the detective bunker where all the magic happens. Check this out. Is that taking one back? That's so cool, right? I counted six doors. If you, if you count the outside door where he walks in when he gets out of his cool car there, right? Six doors in order to get to a phone booth in which he can finally communicate. How many of us think that we have to do those things? There's a secret handshake. You got to know when to stand, when to sit, when to shout, fight, fight. You got to go through the rigmarole, the hoops, in order for God to pay attention to you. You got to clean up your life. You got to go through all the steps and the regiment or the protocol. And Jesus just wants to blow that away. Let's look back into Matthew. Let's see what he says about that. But when you pray, you notice that, that line again? But when you pray, go into your room, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know what Jesus is saying here? You don't have to go through any of my doors. I go through yours. Isn't that awesome? Jesus has jumped through all the hoops for you by the fact that he jumped through the hoop of heaven to earth. We just celebrate that. that, That's called Christmas. He jumped through the hoop, went through the door of dying for our sins on the cross. He jumped through the hoop. He went through the door of abandoning the grave on the third day. And there's one last hoop that he's, he's going to overcome. There's one last door that he's going to come through. And that's when he returns to make all things new at the end of time. And we await that day. And that's why we say, Jesus, would you just come? That's why one of the reasons we pray, would you come through that door? We need you now. You don't have to go through the rigmarole of jumping through the hoops, of going through the doors, of cleaning up your life. You just have to turn to him. Why? Because he has walked through your door. You don't have to get get his attention. You know why? Because your Father in heaven loves you so much that he is always attentive to you, down to the number of hairs on your head. Isn't that beautiful? What an incredible invitation. To have Jewish ears, to have heard that in in that day, Jesus is saying, look, you don't have to be raised up under the best rabbi. You don't have to go to synagogue school. You don't have to do all these things in order for your Father in heaven to hear from you. It's beautiful, beautiful. So we don't have to be these great speakers. 
We don't have to jump through these hoops. And here's a third kind of like, how do we make it complex? We're so worried about heresy. We don't want to get it wrong. Heard some of us talking about that. We don't, we don't want to get it wrong and start, you know, reciting the, the national anthem or the Pledge of Allegiance or praying just to the baby Jesus. We don't want to do those things, right? But did you notice it's not like when we pray, we're, we're on the voice, and we're just hoping to get the judges to turn around. It's not a contest. We're praying to our Father. Did you see that? Did you see that? We're praying to our Father who is in heaven. And Deanna, we were having this conversation about, look, our Father in heaven just wants relationship. He just wants connection. This isn't about theology and God's omniscience and like the fact that he knows everything. This is about his beating heart to be with you. And, and I know as a dad, I just want to be with you. Here's a story about me and my, my daughters right now. They're 14, 14, and 13. I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> but I'm feeling really displaced as a dad right now. I really am. Um, when they were 18 months old, they would go to the back door when I would come in through the back door, through the garage, and they would do the daddy dance. Daddy, daddy, daddy. And they're all in their diapers, and it's just absolutely amazing. No one is doing a daddy dance by the back door for me now. <laughs> and it was just last week that I was thinking about that. And I'm like, honestly, I've been grieving this. I've been grieving this. I feel displaced. I just had a sense that, that the Father in heaven said to me, hey, I feel a little bit of that way too with you. And I got a sense of the Father's heart just wanting, not demanding. This isn't about whether I'll end up in heaven or hell or anything. It's just relationship. He just longs like I long for that moment just to be with my daughter's. And he has that longing for you and for all of us. And so even getting it wrong, I just tell you as a dad, I love it. My youngest daughter, for like her first six or seven years of life, she would pronounce why, fly. <laughs> I just loved it. I'm like, Hadley, say that again. She's like, what? Why? She's like, why? <laughs> why say it? And I just, I just loved it. And I think God has this delight when we turn to him with wherever we are in our spiritual journey, even whatever we believe, and we just start offering in simple words. Here's another prayer killer. Hours. We think prayer needs to take forever. And there's like some magical quota we have to hit in order for it to count. It can't be in, in a second or nanosecond. It has to like go much longer. I think we, we, we picture a, a prayer a little bit like heaven, this never-ending church service that just must go on forever. So I Googled never-ending prayer service or something like that, and up came a snapshot from Chosen, which is a, uh, it's a Netflix-esque uh, story on the life of Jesus. Uh, some love it. My daughters hate it. And maybe that's a reflection on me as a dad. But, um, but, it, but we think prayer has to kind of look like this a little bit. And, um, you know, it's funny. My sister-in-law was um, an extra in this very shot. 
And when I Googled this, this came up, but just a week before that, she had showed me this very shot on her phone. And she said, Dan, I'm in this picture. I'm like, well, that's awesome, Amaris. That's really cool. Where are you? She goes, oh, I'm the one wearing a scarf. <laughs> she goes, and my friend Greg, you can see his forehead. I'm like, that's really neat, Amaris. We think that we just need to log in the time and the hours. But look at what Jesus says. He just keeps dispelling it. Look at verse 7. And when you pray, you see that again? And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their what? Many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. We can just pray simply, you guys. We can pray simply. And the, and the last of this, we make it too complex. How do we make it simple? And what is Jesus kind of like going after in this whole thing? I think in part, he's going after hierarchy. There's all the professionals on the street corners and in the synagogues. And they're the ones in the flowing robes and the tassels. And they're the ones in charge. And they're the spiritual professionals. And we'll just, we'll leave it to them. We'll leave it to folks like me who get paid to do this. Or like Roy or Justin or Sean or, or whomever. There's this hierarchy, and I just think Jesus wants to blow that away. And you know how that hierarchy works. In fact, you're very familiar with the hierarchy. You know why I know this? Because you have had a Thanksgiving meal recently, and you've had a Christmas meal recently. And so many of us were around the dinner table. The feast is all laid out before us, and it suddenly goes quiet. Everyone wants to eat, but we know one thing must happen before we do, which is what? You have to pray. Well, who is the one that prays over that meal? One of my mentors, Craig McElvain, called it, I'll tell you who prays. It's the MRP, the most religious person. It's actually, to be technical, the MRP, ITR, the most religious person in the room. Everyone scans and says, who's the MRP? Who's the, ah, there's the MRP, right? And they're supposed to give this great, beautiful oration. The MRP. Do you know this, right? There is the, and, it's, and, and it's, it's really who can give the most flowery language kind of prayer and make it all feel solemn and really, really holy and all that. The MRP. Well, look how Jesus went after prayer and who's disciple. He went after the LQP, the least qualified people in the room who didn't go through synagogue school, who didn't sit out the city gates, who were fishermen and tax collectors and prostitutes. And they were the ones that were marked by having been with him. As this little band of followers with Jesus actually began to grow and grow, and we go to the fifth book of what's called the New Testament, we see in Acts chapter 4 that actually they end up in jail for having followed Jesus. Talk about judgment. Uh, as we talked about earlier, they're experiencing it in a whole new extreme, but they go uh, before the rulers and then here's what it says, that they kind of were on trial on, in, in court, but they made this observation, chapter 4 of the book of Acts, and, and verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, two of Jesus' followers, and realized that they were what? Unschooled, ordinary. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That is all that prayer really is. It is being with Jesus. Yeah, they got to kick up dust and walk the trails with them. We get to be in 
relationship. We get to be in connection. We get to be in conversation. We get to be marked as people too for, for ones who have been and are with Jesus. And that's what prayer does for each of us. And that's what the disciples were hungry for. They were like, Jesus, show us how to do this. And he says, okay. And if you continue in Matthew, he teaches them how to pray. I actually here to round out. I want us to jump to uh, basically the, the same place, but in a different book. It's called Luke chapter 11. And it starts like this. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. I just, we could go on and on about this, but think about this. Jesus, who was both fully God and fully man, Jesus, who was the Son of God, is praying. Why? Not just a model for you and I. I deeply believe he's being dependent upon the very Spirit of God to fuel his days. Scripture say in a different place that he actually emptied out. He didn't even, he didn't even consider the fact that he was God something to be grasped and that he emptied himself. And so he sought the Spirit of God, just like you and I need to. We could talk for days on that. Then let's look. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, here's what I think is going on. I don't think Jesus was a, a typical prayer. I don't think he looked like anyone else at the synagogue or at the city gate. I think the disciples looked at Jesus and like, oh my gosh, you can say that to him? Because there was something so authentic. There was something so raw. There was something so visceral. There was something so like candid and open and transparent and emotional and passionate. And then sometimes probably flatline. I think they stood back and they're like, we've never seen anyone pray like that before. Will you show us how? Will you teach us how? Something so inviting about it. And now if I'm Jesus and I got this like prayer mojo going on, here's what I might like say in return. Yes, someday. Little Padwan, right? Someday you will learn the 4.0 ninja Jedi version of prayer. But what have we been seeing all along? We've been reading this passage. And when you pray, and when you pray, and when you pray, and when you pray, it reminds me of the water boy, Adam Sandler, the guy going, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. In other words, you can't mess this up. I think this whole message of Jesus, you can't mess this up. You can do it. And when you pray, and that's what he says, when you pray, Father, that's Abba, so tender, about relationship, hallowed be your name. We're, we're talking to the God of the cosmos. See, he's just like, he's just marrying them together. Your kingdom come. Jesus' very favorite topic was the kingdom, or all of God's deep heart holds sway. That's how I would describe the kingdom. Then he goes, he's really simple. Uh, you pray for daily bread, just simple stuff. Then you pray for really complex stuff. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Our relationship's complex? Oh, yeah, so we pray for that. Lead us not in tempta to, uh, into temptation. So there's confession involved. Amen. That's it. It is short. Shorter than a tweet. 34 words, I counted. It is sacred. We're going before the almighty living God, and it is tender. Jesus invites us to just talk with him as father, as daddy, and he goes on to describe him as friend. Isn't that awesome? It's so simple. Wherever you are, whoever you are, wherever you've been, 
Whatever's going on, talk. You can do it. Can't mess this up. Amen? Amen. So here's what I'd like to do. I think I'm running a little bit long. Um, but don't you think if we, uh, if we talk about prayer, we should maybe practice it? Otherwise, we've just come up against a different prayer killer. I'll give you one more prayer killer. Chiefs. <laughs> but they're not playing today. They're kicking back after their win last night. So here's what I'd like us to do. We're going to just, uh, we're going to take five minutes and we're going to walk through the PRAY acronym. The P stands for pause. Or you just pause. I'm going to tell you, this is one of my favorite parts because how rarely do I actually just pause. What's the opposite of pause? Panic. <laughs> and we just panic all the time. We press all the time. So we're going to pause. And I'm going to lead us through each one of these. The R stands for rejoice. And if you want to grab your, um, if you want to grab this guy, R stands for rejoice. Just to thank God for the good stuff happening. And by the way, there's a different way to think about rejoice. The fact that the Father rejoices to be with you. I want you to think about that. He rejoices to be with you. The A is ask. We're pretty good about that. One of you talked about we just ask God for stuff. For ourselves, for our lives, for the world, etc. We just ask. Kids are really good at that. And we're invited to be pretty childlike in that way. And the Y stands for yield. Yield. Which is, I'm going to merge into your lane, God. I'm going to lay it out there, what I hope, what I, what I, what I long for. But ultimately, I'm going to yield to what you most want in my life and the life of those that I love. Sound good? All right. So I'm going to put a timer on this. It's going to be, it's going to be uh, five minutes. And I wanted to put a timer on it because uh, some of you are like, oh, I've been in different prayer meetings. They go on forever. So you know there's an out clause. This is not going to go any longer than five minutes, okay? But I want to just give us a challenge. I want to look to you, uh, the online community, and I want to say wherever you are, and maybe there's a pause you need to put on the phone or, or something, get comfortable, and let's just lean in and simply go before our Father who longs to be with us. Can we do that? Let's do that. So Lord, we pause in this moment. And we ask you to collect us in our scattered senses. And we're just going to breathe you in. And we're going to be silent before you. And God, we rejoice. I just thank you that we have in you the God who rejoices to be with us. And we go, us, God, me? And you say, yes. And we thank you for the things that are worth rejoicing over that we so quickly skip past. And so we just pause to rejoice and say, thank you. So I want to encourage you to specifically think and even write, if you'd like, things you want to say thank you to God for. And God, we, we ask, thank you that you invite us to tell you. Thank you that you entreat us, that you welcome it, and you want it. You want to know 
the needs and the wants of our hearts. So we ask you now on our behalf, but also on behalf of those that we love and the world that you've called us to tend. And Lord, we come to the why of yield. We think we know what's right, and that's why we go for it and ask. And yet, at the end of the day, God, you are all-knowing. You are all-loving. And we trust you even more than our circumstances. We trust you even more um, than what we deem best. And so we yield, God. We just open our palms to you. We move from a grip posture to an openness to what you have for us. Hey, I want you to know something. Uh, the band's not on stage. You know that's how it works in church, right? That when you pray, then the band's on stage, and we use prayer as a segue. And it happens everywhere, and it's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I just asked the band not to come out. Because when you're done praying in your living room, the band doesn't show up when you open your eyes. <laughs> right? Right? I'm going to ask them to come out now, though. I'm going to ask them to come out. Um, for the sake of time, we're, there's one other little video, and I hope it's okay. I'm going to make this call. We're going to skip that. And then the band's going to lead us uh, into a song. But what I want to ask us to do is to, um, if you don't already, I want to draw your attention to the prayer uh, number here at the bottom. So we here at Shoal Creek, we, we have a, a prayer line that you can post prayers, but also there's a 30-day kind of prayer invitation. And if you, um, if you text this number, you'll get every day a prayer prompt, a little scripture to read, and the like. And so I just want to invite you, just try it out. Just P-R-A-Y. Don't allow it to be complex. But it does require one thing. Just being intentional. Every relationship that we love care about, and want to see grow requires intention. And will you do that? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.